Welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Presslow, where we cover the business of sports betting, the number one podcast in the world of sports betting. This is Jim Breslow, and we've got another great guest for you today. It is Jamie Mitchell coming from, uh, from across the pond, Birmingham, England. He is the founder and CEO of Low Six and covering an area of sports betting that we haven't covered yet, and that is the no-wager sports betting, free-to-play games, and uh, becoming a very, very important aspect of the business. In fact, just saw big ad, I think it was FanDuel, talking about millions of dollars in free play that they're giving away. Jamie, welcome to the program. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. I got to start with the obvious question, and that is low six. What does that mean? Yeah, it was... um... (laughs) I wish I could go back and turn back time, um, but we effectively had our very first game, which was a, a free-to-play game, which was um, a, a game we called Low Six. Um, the idea was you would pick six events to have the least amount of goals um, in soccer over the course of that day. So if you like to win Low Six, you would want six nil-nil draws, which would give you zero points. And the idea was the person with the least amount of points would win that particular contest. Um and it shows how green I was to sports betting because I didn't really understand that people like to bet the over, not the under. So it was a terrible, <laughs> pro- a terrible prop in the first place. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's how it came about, and um, the game started to get quite a bit of traction over here in the UK. And so, um, as you do, you, you you name the company after that that first game, and uh, lo and behold, six uh, five six years later, here we are, still with the the name after our first ever game. Yeah, yeah. Well, now you've got a good uh, a good story to tell with the and 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 fond memories of your beginnings. I don't know. I kind of think unders is interesting because it's never over. You know, once a game goes over, there's no reason to watch anymore. So the under keeps yeah, you engaged. I, I would love to say that's why we thought about it as well. It was um it was quite an interesting um it was quite an interesting game actually. We we had a lot of rights holder um clubs over in the UK who we made their um official apps for them. Um so you know various football teams or soccer teams over in the UK and the game, when we put it inside the soccer team's app, started to get more and more traction, um, more so actually than the news um, or the team news that was uh, sort of presented on those apps. And uh, yeah, we, we started to really see some traction with this game. And people people seemed to love it because um, every goal that went in mattered. And uh, yeah, it, it, it certainly took off. And that's kind of how the company was was born, really. We, we saw the traffic and we saw the interest and particularly interested um, from iGaming providers who were, were certainly looking for ways to engage with fans and uh, free-to-play start to, to really tickle their imagination. Yeah, I love those bets that with a single bet, you kind of are paying attention to every game. I, I, I guess actually what, what I'm thinking of, I don't know if you're a golf fan or not, but when I when I bet on a single golfer to, to win a tournament, no matter who I'm watching on the screen, I'm now rooting against that guy because I Absolutely. know I've got the other guy. So, you know, one simple bet that that, that puts a lot of things um, in play. Yeah, so, totally so what, what caused you to, to, to even come up with this idea of free to play at that time? Uh, I think it was um, we started to see the operators over in the UK, particularly um, it was a more mature market than, than America was. Um, really starting to, you know, I suppose, look for more value in terms of how they acquired customers and get a lower cost of acquisition. When you've got 20,000 people going through a a full registration journey, um, you know, sometimes KYC, et cetera, to play a free-to-play game, then to convert them to that next stage where they have their first sort of paid bet, if you like, um, was a very low frictionless entry into um, free-to-play, into real money gaming. And 
I think that low CPA, the days of huge linear TV ads were starting to to phase out more regulation in the UK around when you could advertise, et cetera. And suddenly actually working with the rights holder, having a free-to-play game, converting them that way was a very cost-effective way to do it. And I suppose what we saw and thought about was how would that convert then into the states, which at the time was, uh, you know, the PASPA repeal, et cetera, was happening. And, and there were states starting to legalize. And we very much felt that sports books, whilst they were spending huge amounts of money at the time on uh, cus- customer acquisition, eventually would would really want to double down into what does lifetime value look like and how do we you know attract those customers for a lower cost of acquisition and that's where we felt free to play would really play a big part in their journey so we you know we quickly tried to um to have meetings uh, over in america and started to invest in a, in a team uh, over on that side of the pond so that we could uh, we could double down on it yeah so when you talk about trying to bring in new players and you compare offering a free-to-play game versus say a, a, a deposit bonus Deposit 100 bucks, we're going to give you 100 bucks in free play. How do you compare those two things? I think there's there's really high intent with somebody who wants to, you know, if we take a classic pick'em, for example, free-to-play pick'em, typically there's very high intent for somebody to go through a registration journey to, to want to play that particular free-to-play pick'em, often with not huge financial rewards on it. Some of them are different where you can win a million bucks if you get a perfect bracket or something like that. But there's very high intent. Um, and then you can actually match, you know, a, a deposit bonus into that free-to-play player as well. So typical example would be you make your picks on a free-to-play game, um, up pops the call to action to say, did you know if you place those picks um, with bookmaker A today, let's just use FanDuel, a $10 bet would return you know, $15,000. And by the way, here's a $50 free bet. You know, it starts to become quite compelling for, for people to to cross over. And I suppose all of that is underpinned by the data as well. So we, you know, we track um, all of those those data points to find out who who is high intent, who people's favorite players are, when they like to be on their, their phones or their, their tablets or whatever, looking at those offers. So, you know, it's all very, I suppose, holistically makes a lot of sense for an operator to think about free-to-play as, as top of the funnel. Mm-hmm. Is there any legal challenges associated with it? I mean, you know, concern that it's considered gambling or you're working in jurisdictions where it doesn't matter anyway? No, I think I think there's there's all the normal legal considerations around, you know, making sure people playing the games are the correct age um, brackets, etc. But, you know, they're very much um, they're very much is uh, there's safety, I suppose, at the heart of everything we've we've done really so that you know you'll never find an under 18 playing these games or under 21 depending uh, on the jurisdictions and then absolutely to go through and place a bet with an operator they have to go through the full kyc process and, and actually pass the operators onboarding so you know it's akin to signing up to a sports book so no, no real difference there but you know it's it's mm-hmm. very yeah it's very highly regulated industry as you know and it, it, it we, we have to stick to all of those guidelines well and you said that you guys are the free-to-play um provider for the nhl in the u.s yeah absolutely yeah so the national hockey league um and low six have been working together now for about 18 months um just going into our sort of second uh, third year almost um so yeah we we provide all of their free to play so we do pickums for them we do brackets all-star fan votes yeah really really great partner and you know very different it's not focused on betting it's more on engagement really um you know how do we keep a hockey fan engaged through um you know the stanley cup for example or the playoffs and um, you know, we re- we really like the fact that Low Six um, works with brands and leagues as well, because holistically, again, it gives us 
not just an iGaming viewpoint. We, we focus heavily on um, gamification as an engagement tool, not just a conversion tool. So when you put the two together, what you like to think is that you've got a very holistically sound product that looks at, you know, it's great engaging, it's great for converting and call to action. And, you know, as I say, brings big data to the the operators who potentially can market to that, that sort of database when they'd like to with the partners they'd like to. Right. And the NHL is an example of, how good this can be uh, just bringing in people that, you know, into their website, into their ecosystem, even if it's not a gaming site. NHL is not bringing them in so that they'll become gamblers, correct? Correct. Yeah. And, and good example of that. Can't talk specific numbers, but, you know, seven figures of users placing a Stanley Cup bracket with them through our game and multiple millions of votes and an all-star fan vote. None of that's to convert to gambling. You know, that's all around engagement and, you know, adding some value, really. So one of the games that we do for um, the the guys at the NHL would be a bingo game. So it's a prop where you you don't need any knowledge about hockey. The bingo card has various um, results that might happen during, say, Winter Classic. Um, player X to get a point, player Y to get a foul. All you simply do is come back to your bingo card and you're hoping that some of those events happen in a line horizontally, vertically, diagonally, whatever it might be, um, get those right and you get entered into a prize draw to win a signed jersey, things like that, you know, just add value to the user, um, to the viewer, to the fan and, and keep people uh, engaged throughout the, the, the hockey match. I'm a lawyer, so my head often goes to the, the, the legal side of things and I know it can be tough to navigate. So this one more question in that regard. So for instance, in California, where we don't have legal sports betting, you're not it doesn't require any payment for your game so presumably should be a no-brainer that it's legal however you know people can make arguments to say that well you're giving up a lot of valuable information by signing up for this thing that is consideration for it and therefore it is gambling i'm just curious if you guys run across that concern at all yeah i think we 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 work actually we we've, we've certainly worked with um <clears throat> excuse me people like um the la chargers you know and we we did a free-to-play game for those guys um very much again you know data capture uh, all the you have to go through a, a california piece of uh, sign up for preferences for each user and all the data that you're collecting on people etc but Again, in the States um, where fantasy is legal, for example, perhaps there's an opportunity in those kind of examples to to say, do you want to play underdog fantasy? Um, you, you play the picks game, for example. So I think as long as the um, the user preferences at sign up are correct and you, you do the diligence with the lawyer, et cetera, you know, there's there's no legal framework that says you can't, um, you know, you, you can't play free to play games. There's no cash reward for winning these things. Um, so absolutely, you know, we, we, we certainly feel comfortable that we stick within the parameters so considering that nhl and the chargers for that matter are not trying to turn these into gamblers what is the benefit for them why, why do they want to do this i think i think data really um sits at the heart of everything i was quite compelled with the amount of data that you can you can sort of capture from a user of, of any kind of game really um be that candy crush all the way through to um you know free-to-play props with um sports um and, and i think you know we add value in ways that Partners just really value the data that we provide on the users, and um, you know the users understand that the currency they give up to enter these free-to-play games to win a potential signed jersey, etc., is their data. And so, you know, capturing sometimes hundreds of data points on on users um, is is extremely important for sports franchises. And uh, I think their you know, sports franchises, as we talk about, are becoming more and more aware that actually data isn't just an email you know it's far more than that it's what device does somebody use when do they like to use a device when should i not contact them when should i 
what should I contact them about? You know, that's the kind of contextualized data that you, you kind of want as a franchise rather than just email, um, first name, last name. Well, at the end of the day, the Chargers are what? Trying to sell tickets? The NHL is trying to sell tickets? Merchandise, tickets, you know, subscriptions to TV. You, you know, it's all out there, isn't it, these days? And the more you can understand about your customers, um, the better. And I think that's, um, you know, that's admirable, actually, because there are some people that don't want to be contacted. And, you know, what you might see from an old franchise is just spam kind of email arriving. Well, I think this gets you to a point where actually the message you receive, we have a saying in our business, which is right message, right person, right time. And if the person doesn't want a message, that's that's great too. We, we don't want to, you know, be spamming anybody with anything. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's um, a really valuable exercise actually for for all leagues and teams to go through is you know to really enrich their data and make sure that people do want to hear from them about the right messages. And other than your basic data that you would all assume address, email, cell phone, all that good stuff, what, what would you say is the most significant additional piece of data these guys are looking for? I think I think we can get into some really interesting, um, particularly in the UK where we've, we've probably. Um, been doing this for a few more years you can get into some really interesting data points things like who Jamie Mitchell's favorite player is for example so I'm playing a particular game and I'm always selecting that particular player just at the basic level you know there's a there's a high probability chance that player is my favorite player so then if we talk about selling merchandise for example perhaps when I sell my next piece um, or send my next piece of um, marketing material perhaps the shirt that arrives at the top of that email is my favorite player um, and perhaps it's got my birthday as its number. So Mitchell 26 might be the, the shirt that arrives on the top of the email, for example. And it's, it's you know, that's a very basic level, but we can, we can get, you know, far more granular than that, depending on how often and how frequently somebody plays a game and, and what they're prepared to share. So, yeah, I think it's, um, it's it certainly should be embraced, I think, as a positive rather than a negative, for sure. All right, let's take our one and only break, and we'll be right back with Jamie Mitchell, founder CEO of Low Six. It's Lauren the Better, and you're listening to Double Down with Breslow on the Evergreen Podcast Network. And welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Breslow. We are speaking with Jamie Mitchell, the founder and CEO of Low Six free-to-play games used essentially as a marketing device to help bring in customers, whether it be to gaming companies or non-gaming companies. Let, let's start talking a little bit about the, the games that you guys create and what's unique about them compared to a game that you could you would design that you would bet on? Yeah, I think um, so. We have a quite a big platform these days. So we um, we're a venture capital backed business. So we we really sort of I suppose committed to building a scalable platform that meant that we could produce lots of games for lots of different partners, be it TV and broadcast, be it rights holders, be it iGaming companies, um, and so. We sort of have this mantra that if you can think about a game, we can build it. So any idea is a good idea with us. We we have all of the staple kind of games that you would expect, things like Pick'ems, Brackets, uh, Spin the Wheels, you you name it. We've, we've got those kind of standard games. But where we, we started to see a real, um, I suppose, growth opportunity was more in the mobile gaming sector. Um, so not just, uh, you know, free-to-play games, games that actually uh, could uh, be more akin to the Candy Crush type of, of game. So B2B to C opportunities with things like fantasy games where actually 
you you know you can make in-app purchases for packs of players for example over in the uk we, we, we did a big activation and that kind of mobile revenue that you can drive through a mobile game is really interesting for us for again for rights holders particularly in europe at the moment where you don't necessarily need to convert them to a gambling um a partner you, you you very much can sort of look at them in their own right as a mobile game and uh, so we've been doubling down on on mobile gaming as a potential sort of new revenue um sphere for us so when you compare it to candy crush are we talking about a game that's like candy crush as opposed to betting uh, on not betting but uh having a sports related game yeah well, so we we created a brand called ultimate fan um as the test bed in the uk excuse me an ultimate fan is a game where um you can rip open a pack of cards um and then in that pack there's players um sports players so let's just use the premier league as the example you can then place those premier league players into positions akin to the sort of a fantasy kind of game which runs each week um but then if you wanted to boost player props etc so double their points for this week um you can actually you know win rewards by completing challenges within that game etc to to boost those players scores um, and you can also start to look at, would I like to trade my card with somebody else in the ecosystem? Um, and starting to look at it, as I say, more away from a, a sort of traditional free-to-play game uh, and more into an actual mobile game. And we've been testing that in the UK now for just over a year. Um, and it, it's had some really interesting results. It became the top uh, most downloaded app in the sports section of the App Store. Um, it, uh, it really did take... Uh, People, I suppose they really love the game, actually, the, the sort of gaming side of it and these challenges which sit within inside the game. Um, and so that for us has been a, a real passion project. And it was actually picked up by um, a couple of other brands which are, are quite keen to roll that out. So uh, we just launched with Rivalry, which is an esports um, operator. Uh, we just launched with those guys in the Philippines uh, with an NBA version of this game. Um, and we're, we're just talking to some other operators at the moment about launching across different jurisdictions. So sort of, again, you know, not just traditional a game, more of an actual mobile game, which is quite interesting. Mm. Are you pretty familiar with the Monopoly game that they do at McDonald's? Absolutely. We love it over here. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm curious how much whether that's been converted to a mobile game yet or not and you know does that get your mind ticking about you know hey we should be doing some major games for for companies big companies like mcdonald's and, and mobile app absolutely and um yeah it's and if any time in the uk if you go onto the app store that will not only be one of the top um games the monopoly game in terms of downloads it's also one of the top grossing games always so the in-app purchase opportunities to you know skip a level or, or get to the end of a level faster etc very very interesting and does you know does quite literally tens of millions in revenue. Hold um, on a second, because this is this part is new to me. Are you talking about Monopoly? Yeah, Monopoly. And you're talking about a, with McDonald's? Uh, not with McDonald's, um, but huh. just Monopoly on its own was converted into a mobile game and oh. does huge numbers. Um, but absolutely, you, to your point um, around McDonald's and Monopoly, that's the perfect opportunity or, or example of a symbiotic relationship of two brands that are using gamification for the benefit of both brands. Um We've just launched a free-to-play Survivor game uh, with Playmaker in Canada um, in conjunctions with Wendy's, um, the, the the burger guys. Um, you know, again, two brands um, partnering up using sport with a, a traditional Survivor game for data capture purposes. You know, so lots of opportunity for brands um, to, to work with 
low six to, to for the benefit of all all of the partners really yeah and you know there's companies that have been around for a long time already doing that i i don't know who it was that did monopoly and i forget some of the names of the companies that were doing it essentially sweepstakes games right but i mean you, you guys consider yourselves to be playing in that world basically where you, you could be providing games to just about anybody absolutely and and we you know we're we're that's why i said before we're, we're holistically i think we're very very well set compared to maybe some of our competitors which perhaps just focus on iGaming we we really do work with leagues franchises brands um and i do think that that gives us and our team internally this focus on not just conversion to um to betting but certainly you know data capture engagement retention um monetization through different different sort of um routes which is which is interesting so these game you mentioned brackets you know for instance you know million dollar prize have you done that like for ncaa for a perfect bracket yeah we've we've done march madness brackets um which is again probably a culture shock for us in the uk a couple of years ago people tell you that NCAA and March Madness is a big event. When you go to America and see how big March Madness is, that really does take your breath away. And and we've done multiple brackets now um, with, like you say, insurance sort of provided a million dollars if you if you win. Um, we we work with various Learfield um, sort of properties to do their own pickums um, kind of platforms as well. So Michigan and people like those guys. Um, and again, it's you know it's very much around fan engagement and. Um, yeah, bringing on bringing on those sort of data points about users. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about insurance. I figured you probably did do that if you're offering a huge prize. That the way you guys you know protect yourselves is just by insurance in case somebody wins. I mean, what what are the odds of a perfect bracket? I know that it's astronomically high. Yeah, million, millions to one. And um, yeah, I don't think we've ever got past the the first round of a bracket with any any fears. I mean, it's just yeah. so difficult, isn't it? And um, in particularly March Madness, it throws up some crazy results every single year it seems and it's um yeah it's a total lottery but we were even i mean we were in new york last march and um we went for a a pint at one of the one of the pubs and they'd even printed their bracket onto the actual pint glass you know it's that big over in the states and nobody was watching the professional um game whilst the march madness games were on and uh, yeah until you see it you can't really believe the scale of 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 march madness yeah well you got a lot of companies here that are trying to be um you know feeders to the sports books i'm i'm blanking on the term that's that's used when they're you know when you're providing players to a sports book and they're paying you in return affiliates yeah Af- affiliates i mean it seems to be this is a perfect affiliate model would be to bring in players through your games um i mean are any affiliates using it yeah we we do um we have a north american partner um for affiliates um and again you know we're pretty open about that if there's the ability to add an affiliate message into a partner's game um we'll ask them the question see if that's something they're looking to do clearly it 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 works for some partners it doesn't for another but absolutely we have we have a tried and tested sort of affiliate program within our business and um yeah we, we again we sort of have these three pillars of revenue if you like you have games which we we kind of build and license to people we have a mobile gaming stream of revenue which is in its early stage but we're, we're pretty excited about and then we have that kind of affiliate piece of revenue which um for the right partners um who are looking to cross people over is is again pretty lucrative um less so nowadays i think in the early days when america was all about a land grab you could you could earn some really big numbers through affiliate passover it's settling down to sort of european levels now and um again you, you look at people like DraftKings and fan jewel they're very much about lifetime values of players now rather than just the player 
at, at any cost. You know, they're, they're very sensible in their approach. So uh, when it comes to FanDuel and DraftKings, as far as their free-to-play games, are they doing them themselves, as far as you know? Yeah, they. I, I think um, DraftKings have always had a policy of, of doing as much in-house as they possibly can. And they've got an incredible tech team. And FanDuel, um, I, I believe they, they use various providers globally. Um, within their their tech stack, we work with with Flutter um, in Australia, and um, you know they're a great company to work with for sure. Speaking of Australia, I, I just learned recently about their advertising ban. I, have you run across this, and and how are they dealing with that? Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be challenging. Um, for when, when did it when did it take effect? I think it's I think it's it's in effect now, isn't it? Um, fairly recently. <clears throat> um, I think it, it, you'll probably see that in the new year really come into its own. Um, I, it's going to be interesting because I think if you look at the UK as a precedent where things like football, jersey, sponsorship um, will, with any betting operator will cease to exist um, fairly soon in the next sort of 24 months. I think it'd be reticent to think that operators aren't going to want to spend on marketing in Australia. It's just now it won't be, you know, overtly obvious where those those dollars will be spent. So I guess you'll see more and more creative ways for operators to spend and, and attract players, but it certainly won't be huge uh, linear TV ads and billboards anymore. Um, it's it's going to be far more, um, far more targeted, I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess could be good for your business because they need a new way of attracting players. And if you have something over here that is not a betting site, but it's this game, you know, place where you can play games for free and then they're paying as an affiliate thing you know they'll spend their money that way instead of um, tv ads well i think i think the immediate opportunity and, and this is just conjecture on my part but the immediate opportunity for me would be do you now as an operator partner with a team for example and we'll, we'll make a team up we'll, we'll just call it um sydney a do you then partner with sydney a and ask sydney a to produce a free-to-play game um and you know come and play sydney a's pick them today um and perhaps you're the you know you're the affiliate advertising crossover within sydney a's game if that makes sense i think those become the the probably more opportunistic ways that you know people will start to market whereas previously perhaps you you just put a huge amount of led advertising around sydney a's sort of um ground you know it, it will still happen it's crazy yeah. to think dollars won't be spent it's just going to be you know more creative and absolutely i think we we see an opportunity there i think it's um I think a lot of the big operators out there have been predicting this would come for some time. So the strategies are, are already set and um, and looking to go live um, pretty soon. And a lot of discussion in Europe also about some type of ban? I think, uh, yeah, you know, particularly in the UK, um, the Gambling App Review is, is very much in its early stages of um, sort of being implemented. I, I think continual regu- regulatory pressure will actually make operators start to um, start to really think about how profitable the UK can be. Um, and, you know, the, the likes of Africa, Asia, starting to look far more attractive, I would think, to many operators than uh, running such a prohibitive <laughs> Um, sort of operation in the UK, which is is terribly difficult to operate in, I'm sure, um, at the moment with all of the you know all of the the different um, regulatory requirements that you have to meet these days. It's very it's very difficult. And and what about taxes? Where where, where is UK on taxes? Still very um, yeah, still very high. Um, and uh, I think mm-hmm. there's there's more 
I, I read the other day that there's uh, potentially more happening in this election build-up that we're getting. I think we'll see some more announcements about a tax um, change for operators in the UK. So I think all of Europe is is very much under scrutiny, under scrutiny as it has been for a long time. Um, you know, certainly the Netherlands and Germany are, are difficult places to operate, particularly the Nordics. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's very much a trying trying landscape, I think. But yeah. but I guess what we'll see from here is it will follow in America, right? It'll eventually uh, catch up, and I think it'll do it at a pace. So for gambling um, protocols, etc., will all all arrive. They all already have, but you know, they'll. I'm sure they'll be there um, quicker than they ever were in Europe. Yeah. Well, as you know, everything's state by state here, so it's going to be interesting to see. I know a lot of people are up in arms about the tax rate in New York, which I think is like 50%, way higher yeah. than other places. But my guess is that's probably about where UK is. Is that where UK is? Yeah, I'm not sure the actual rate itself, but I, I you know, it, it, 50% is pretty hefty, isn't it? All right. Awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, where can people go learn more about your company? I know you're mostly B2B, but uh, tell them about your uh your, your, your new app game, et cetera. Yeah, sure. Um, certainly if you Google low6.com, you can find us. Um, you'll see who we're working with, uh, kind of games we do, some case studies, et cetera. And um, yeah, feel free to, to reach out myself um, on LinkedIn, um, as are most of the team. And yeah, we'd, we'd love to speak to anybody who's interested in some sort of free-to-play gaming. And um, yeah, happy to, to, to talk. Yeah, cool. Appreciate your time, Jamie. I'll let you uh, go get your pint. I know it's about 6 o'clock there, and I noticed you're starting to shake a little bit. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> thanks yeah. a lot. All right, Jamie Mitchell, CEO, founder of Low Six. Thanks so much, and thank you all for watching and listening to Double Down with Wrestler. We will be back soon with another great interview. Take care, everyone.